Wow. What a day. I'm telling you what, this has been good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for letting me be here today. Uh, it, I've been looking forward to this day for so long. And I love uh, the family. Uh, I love Pastor Tyler, his wife. And we got to know, of course, his mom and dad here as of late. And uh, I have heard so much about Fellowship Baptist Church. I've seen some things online. And every time I see it, I am so impressed with what God is doing here. I want you to know this. This is unusual. You guys know that? Sometimes you get in the middle of it. I don't know if you know that. I, I'm not sure if you really truly understand how unusual the Spirit of God is here in this place. It has been such a privilege to be here the last few days. Pastor Tyler, thank you. Uh, my, heart is, uh, boy, my heart is excited this morning. I'm nervous this morning. I'm looking out here. We got a great group of people. I'm, I'm nervous this morning. I'm honored to be able to be here. You know, I just I couldn't help but thinking a minute ago, I think it was John Wesley said, you know, set a, set a man on fire and people will come from all over the place to watch him burn. And you know what? You set a church on fire and people all, what a unique area, right? I mean, I, this is not the area that you'd come to and go, I'm about to walk into a large, independent, thriving, spirit-filled Baptist church. It just, it just isn't. And, and I love this area. Where's Carla? Carla, I love this area. She challenged me on this uh, over the weekend. I love it. It reminds me of where my parents grew up in Iowa. And uh, my wife loves it so much. I, I told the group this yesterday. Uh, she's from Arkansas. She's from Florida. She was in North Carolina. She's a Southern girl. You know what a Southern girl is, right? Southern girls, they, they like to do a little mothering and loving and they're sweet. And, and my wife's a, a Southern girl and, and uh, she always, for, for years now, we're in the West now, we're in Colorado and, and we love it there. We've got a beautiful area. God has raised up a church that has a kindred spirit to this one. It really is unique as well. And, and uh, we love our church. And, and, but our area is, is not... It's not Southern, right? It's, it's, it doesn't have, my wife would say, oh, I just, I just miss, I miss the South. I, I miss the people. I miss the y'alls. I, I miss the sweetness and the loving. And here's what she'd say. I miss the food. And here's what she says all the time. She, she says it all the time, all the time. She says, that was good, but it ain't the South. We go back to the South to visit her mom and dad and she'll say, oh, everything's better in the South, you know. And, and uh, we were out the other day here in your town. I don't remember where we were eating. We went to Brickhouse Barbecue last night and it was so good. And my wife is eating her food and she said, see, the South. <laughs> I said, honey, we're in Kansas. <laughs> This ain't the South. But I'm telling you, your community feels like, your church feels like, and this is a compliment, the South to her. So it's been, it's been so good to be here this week. And uh, we have just thoroughly enjoyed our time together. Would you take your Bible this morning, James chapter 3, for just a moment. Boy, thank you for the music. I love music that is alive and Christ-honoring. And, and uh, boy, it was, it was so fun to watch the choir and hear that choir. It was fun to watch Hannah uh, up here singing a moment ago. You should have seen Hannah and Jimmy uh, the other night at the couple's retreat. I, I, Heather, did I say, did I say Hannah? Heather, Heather, I'm sorry. Thank you, Tara. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I know who you are, Tiffany. Um, 
You should have seen. I know that sometimes things that happen at couples retreat should stay at the couples retreat. But let me tell you something. She put some lipstick on on Friday night and she laid it on Jimmy. I mean, she laid, there wasn't a spot on him that didn't have red lipstick. And, and, uh, and then to watch her sing this morning and, and watch your choir and these ladies that sing, thank you for doing that this morning. What a, what a blessing. You used your talent for God. I'm so impressed with your church. I love your pastor. What a godly man. You are blessed to have a young man that knows the Bible, that knows where he stands, that's totally alive, that has great wisdom. For, for 37 years of age, he truly is wise beyond his years. I'm looking out here right now. We've got people of all ages. We've got some young folks over here. We've got some senior saints in this auditorium right now. Sometimes the older you get, the harder it is to listen to a young guy. Like, you know what? This guy don't know nothing. He's just a young, he's not gone through anything. He's just a young, you got a pastor that at 37 years of age is way advanced of his age. And I'm thankful. He and a sweet wife are just such a blessing. And you are blessed uh, to be here. Boy, if I lived Anywhere close to liberal Kansas, I would come to this church. I would sit right there. I'd cry through every song service, and I'd love your preaching. It is good to be here today. Thank you. James chapter 3, verse number 14. I'm not sure what you do here. I know what I do. I'm not sure what you do. We like to stand for the reading of the word at our church. If you don't do that, I'm sorry. I'm standing here this morning. So let's all stand to our feet. If you're physically able this morning, James chapter 3 for just a moment. And we're going to read just a few verses here. We're going to read verse 14 and verse 15 and verse 16. So go ahead and look at that with me. James 3 and verse number 14. The Bible says this, but if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, according to verse 14, bitter envying and strife, there are two things, confusion in every evil work. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Lord, we need it today. Lord, there is, I'm sure, the sin that James talks about here in James chapter 3, it is present even among good Christians. Father, I pray for the next few moments that you would search our hearts. Lord, we have been blessed by the music. We've been blessed by the singing. But Father, your word is truth. So Lord, I pray this morning for these next few moments that you would allow me to say the things that you once said and not say the things you don't want said. And Father, I pray that we would do justice to the text this morning. And Father, I pray we'd lift up the name of Jesus this morning. Bless these next few moments that we have together. Thank you for the tremendous privilege to be here at the Fellowship Baptist Church. Thank you for what you're doing in it. Father, I pray that you would bless these next few moments together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to tell you for just a moment about James 3, and I want you to see what James is talking about. James is dealing with an issue that... I believe is one of the leading causes of division in our day. 
As a matter of fact, because of what James talks about, uh, we've got marriages that just cannot get along. They don't see eye to eye. They, they can't speak peaceably to each other because of this sin. We've got workplaces that employers and employees just cannot get along. They cannot work together. There's, there's friction every day because of this sin. We've got teenagers and children and parents that are at odds because of the sin that James chapter 3 discusses. You say, Pastor, um, what is that sin? That sounds pretty serious, and I don't have those kind of relationship issues. Or maybe some of you are going, you know what, I've got some relationship issues. Maybe this is the crux of it. Tell us, what is this sin? Well, we'll get back to the sin in just a moment. i got to tell you this story before we get into it, because I want to illustrate what I want to talk about for the next few moments. How many of you have ever spent a lot of time on a farm? A lot of, a lot of people on a farm. Listen, I, I think one of the things we're missing in this generation is we haven't had enough farmers and we haven't had enough children that grew up on farms. I, I remember that when I was growing up, my, my mom and dad had grown up in Iowa. And so my, my, both my sets of grandparents lived on farms and they, and they had working farms. And I remember we'd go back in the summertime and, and uh, we did all kinds of things. And, and we'd be out there from morning to night. We'd be having a great time. And, and uh, you know, all, all the teenagers in here right now, the kids that are in here right now, we had something that we played with all the time growing up. When we were kids, it was called Outside. But a lot of the kids don't get that. They don't understand what outside is, you know. And, and we'd go outside, and we'd be out there on that farm. And I remember one day I went into the back of the farm. There was this big, um, there was this big barn that hadn't been used for, for years. It wasn't working at the time. And I walked back in there, and we'd get in all kinds of trouble. I remember going back there once, Pastor Tyler, and I walked in, and there was a car. Um, I think it was a Triumph. I'm not sure if anyone's ever seen a triumph it's kind of a smaller car and it was in there There was probably a quarter inch of dust on that car and I went back there I was eight or nine years old I remember that I took a baseball bat it was in a barn I mean it had a quarter inch of dust on it I mean no one wants it right and and at eight or nine years old I took a baseball bat and I beat the tar out of that car found out later that my uncle had it in that barn. He was getting ready to restore it with my grandfather. That was not the best day of my life, I can tell you. We used to go out on that, on that property. We used to be able to go out and burn stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Burning garbage. Ever burn garbage? How many burn garbage before? You, you burn garbage? Uh, listen, uh, every eight-year-old boy is a pyromaniac. And we were city slickers in Salt Lake City, Utah area. We'd go back and we would, my grandfather would take us out. We got to throw all the garbage and, and we threw things in that thing. He'd throw a little gasoline or something on there. We'd be able to light it and we'd blow that whole thing up. You know, I mean, living on the farm was amazing. And I remember one day my, my grandmother, she brought us in. My, my younger brother, Tyler, was, or Trevor was with me. She brought us into the, the house and we'd been playing outdoor all day long. And she threw us in the bathtub to clean us up. She promised us she'd give us some cookies when we were done and so we we scurried into the the, the kitchen there and and Trevor um, he gets up on the counter to get the cookies out of the the cabinet there and when I looked up I noticed something on Trevor's back there, there was just something that was kind of stuck there I remember I reached up and I 
flicked at it a little bit and it, it, it wouldn't move. I, I called my grandmother over and my grandmother, once she saw it, immediately called my grandfather. So some of you know probably what it was already. I didn't know what it was. My grandfather told us that, that what my brother had on his back was a tick. And he started to tell us that this was really dangerous, that if you let it stay there, it was going to cause some problems and it would begin to, to bury its head into his skin and potentially leave Lyme's disease and different infections. And really what that tick was doing is it would kind of burrow in there and really kind of feast on, suck on the blood of, of my brother. So my grandfather said, we got to do something about this and we're going to do something right now. And so my grandfather took my brother Trevor and he put him over his knee. And, uh, and he took a lighter and he told us that you, you can't just pull it out. You, you don't want to leave the head in there. And so, so he started to explain to us that, that while he had my brother over his knee, he was going to have to hold that flame over that tick, which of course was also over my brother's back and hope that that tick began to pull itself out. Let me tell you, my brother did not appreciate that story as much as the rest of us did. He held it over and my, my brother, no, grandpa, please stop. And my grandfather said, you got to do it. We got to go through this pain. We got to go through the trouble of doing this because if it stays there, it's going to cause more and more and more problems in the future. The, the sin that we're talking about here this morning that James addresses is so similar. Just like that tick, my brother's running around, he doesn't even feel it. He's not even aware of it, doesn't even know it's there. But had it stayed there much longer, it would have begun to suck the spiritual life, the physical life. And this morning, if we're not careful, we'll begin to allow this sin to suck the spiritual life right out of us. You say, all right, Pastor Tate, what in the world is this sin? The Bible calls it in James 3 and verse number 14, bitterness. We've got this envy and strife with all kinds of people we're dealing with because of verse 14. We've got this bitterness. And I want you to see this this morning. First of all, today, as we look at this sin, I want you to see the reasons for bitterness. Why do we get bitter? Reason number one, reason number one we get bitter is because we've been done wrong. How many of you in your life have ever been done wrong? How many of you have been gossiped about, slandered, you've been hurt by somebody's words? If, if you can't raise your hand to that, I'm just telling you, get in line. It's coming. It's going to happen because this is what people do. People try to get ahead by pushing you down. People will always try to elevate themselves. And there are people in here right now that I know this is true. There are people in here right now that if I heard your story. We may both weep. There's people in here right now that, that you have endured true suffering. There are people now that in this room that it was a broken parent relationship, it was a spouse that left their vows. They said in sickness and in health, they said for better, for worse. And they walked away from that. There's people in this room right now, you hurt because somebody has done something to you that is unimaginable. 
In a room this size, there are people that have been emotionally abused and physically abused. I, I cannot wrap my head around an adult taking a child and physically hurting them. But some of you in this room right now, you have experienced that kind of pain. And I want you to know this, as we get started on this message, I want you to understand this. I am not here right now to say, oh, just get over it. I'm not here to say, oh, it wasn't that big a deal. It, it really wasn't a huge issue. You're making it bigger than it was. No, no. You are hurting. You have been wronged. You have been hurt over this. But I'm not saying that it's not a big deal. Here's what I'm saying today. I'm saying we've got to get it taken care of because if we don't, what somebody did to you five years ago and 10 years ago or 25 years ago is going to keep messing you up today. So some of you in here right now, you've, you've been done wrong. You know what the second reason that, that, uh, that we often get bitter? We think we've been done wrong. We think we have. I don't really have time to get into this, but you can understand what I'm talking about. I went to a, 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 a friend's church in Washington a few years ago, and there was a man at the door, and he was, he was opening up the door for guests, and, and there was a big window right there, and I was standing inside. They didn't know who I was yet. I was just a guest speaker that day, and, uh, and this man opened the door. He was shaking everybody's hands as they were coming in, and somebody was coming, and I could see him from inside through the window. Someone was coming. He got ready to shake their hand, and when he got ready to shake their hand, somebody inside called the man's name that was at the door. And so he turned and he took his hand away. And the guy that was coming in, you should have seen it. The guy that was coming in, he got ready to put his hand out. And then he got embarrassed that the guy had took his hand away. And so he walked by that guy. He starts muttering. He's saying things as he walks by me, not knowing I'm the guest speaker that day. And I'm telling you, that's where it starts. That's where church splits start. That's where relationship issues start. Just foolish little things that we think we got done wrong. That guy greeted everybody else. He didn't greet me. The reason we get bitter, we've been done wrong, or we think we've been done wrong. But I want you to notice here in verse number 15 and 16, I want you to see the result. Notice what it says in verse 16, actually. The Bible says, for where envying and strife is, according to verse 14, this bitter envying and strife, that's the source of it. There's two things. There's confusion. Now, I want you to, to illustrate confusion with this. By the way, some of you right now are saying, okay, what is bitterness in the first place? Who, what, what, what does this even feel like? Uh, let me give you a little picture of it. Remember when Joseph and his brothers, they could no longer coexist. They got bitter over the way dad was treating him. They got bitter over the relationship they had. They got bitter over his dreams. And what does the Bible say? The scripture says that they could no longer speak peaceably to him. That's bitterness. Right now, the Holy Spirit may be bringing someone to your mind. You're sitting in this church where you're sitting because that enemy of yours that you're a little bitter with is sitting on the other side. Maybe the Holy Spirit's bringing back a relationship that has been broken. And when you hear somebody speak of that person, it bugs you when you hear their name. It really upsets you when they say something nice about that person. That's what bitterness is. And the Bible says that when you start getting bitter over people and issues, the Bible says the first thing happens is confusion. Let me give an illustration of it. David and Saul. 
Saul has been given this incredible command of God. He is supposed to go out and he's going to lead the nation and and they're going to go out and battle and be blessed by God. And all of a sudden, little David comes onto the scene. Little David goes out there for Saul, working for Saul, giving his, his ministry to Saul. He goes out there. He defeats the Philistine. And what happens as soon as it's over? Saul hears these women singing. And here's what they say. Uh, the song goes like this. Saul has slain his thousands. Hey, if you were Saul, wouldn't you love that song? That's an awesome song. I, I think Saul probably loved the beginning. I think at the beginning of the song, Saul is there going, well, that's a great song. Hey, sing it again. Second verse, same as the first. Good song. And all of a sudden he hears the second verse. He doesn't like it so much. But David... His ten thousands. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Who is this kid, David? Who does he think he is to have this kind? Wait a minute. He gets a song, and not just does he get a song. They're ascribing him more than, than me. Wait a minute. This is, he's not the king. I'm the king. And the Bible says that Saul eyes David from that day forward. That's bitterness. David come in and start playing his instruments and Saul's reaching into the back. He's trying to get the javelin. He's grabbing a hold of things so he can throw them. The Bible says that David is such a patient man that he escapes from Saul's presence twice. Let me tell you something. That, that is patience and, and that is loyalty. Because if, 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 if it was Tate Thronson here that went out and faced Goliath, then the Bible would have said he escaped from his presence once because I ain't coming back. But what does Saul do? The rest of his life, he loses his ministry. The rest of his life, he loses his power. Well, what is he? He's confused. Instead of doing what God has, has called him to do, has led him to do, from this moment forward, all Saul is doing is running around after this kid, David. All he's doing is spending all of his energy. And I want you to know something today. If you are suffering from bitterness, if you are inflicted by bitterness, you do not know, you are not clear about what God wants you to do. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But when you get bitter, the scripture says that something that attaches itself to bitterness is confusion. And listen, parents, you cannot afford to be confused. You got children coming up behind you that need a good example. You've got kids coming up behind you that need to see how it's done. They need to see how relationships are forgiven. They need to see how you can work through issues. They cannot afford to have parents that are confused in their spiritual life. And the Bible says that when you're bitter, there is confusion. But watch this. I think this is so interesting. In verse 16, not only is there confusion, but the Bible says there's every evil work. Whew. I want to illustrate this. Bradley, could you help me for just a minute? I know I've used you a little bit. And, and uh, Justin, could you, you can I, <laughs> you were laughing at Bradley uh, and, <laughs> and I caught him. Uh, all right. Uh, sir, right here in the brown sweater, can you help me? Good looking, good, good looking haircut. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Real nice looking haircut. That's a sharp, sharp, sharp. All right. 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to do something here for just a minute. And I don't, I don't know these, I don't know these guys that well, right? So I'm not, I'm going to say, I'm going to assign each of them a sin. Okay. They're going to represent it. I don't know them. Okay. I'm not saying that this is representative of their lives, but, but, but this is, this is what I'm going to attach on them. They're going to illustrate this for me for just a moment. All right. Uh, Bradley, let's just say, um, you know what, this would be, uh, let's say you're lazy. You, you don't look like a lazy guy, but uh, let's say you, I don't think you are, but uh, just judging by your stature, I don't think laziness is attached to you. But Bradley is laziness. Let's say that Justin, for just a moment, he's going to be um, rebellion, okay? He looks like a rebellious guy to me, and uh, if I got a little too close there, I'm so sorry, everybody. I, did, I didn't mean to nail it on it, but I, I don't know him well enough to say this, but he's a rebe- he, he looks opposite of rebellion, so we'll, we'll call it rebellion. And what is your name, sir? Nick. All right, Nick. Um, let's say that you are uh, just, dis- okay, okay. We got laziness. We have rebellion, dishonesty. All right. You are a liar. And uh, that's, that's what you're representing. It's not you, Nick. It's just what you're going to represent for a moment. All right. Here's what, here's what I want to do for just a moment. You guys, you got one job. You're going to follow me wherever I go. Okay. That's all you have to do. All right, Bradley, you got it. You're kind of leading the pack here. They're just going to follow behind you. So, so you're going to follow me wherever I go. Let's just say for a moment um, that, ah, good job. Good job. All right. He's got it. I picked the right guy right here. All right. Uh, Let's just say, you got to be so close, Bradley. This is the (laughs) age of social distancing. I mean, I, we get the picture. All right. Well, let's just say for a minute that, that I'm a Christian, I'm going to church, and I love, I love Jesus, love God. Matter of fact, I, I love my church. I go to Fellowship Baptist Church here in Liberal, Kansas, and, and uh, I teach a class, I teach some children. Uh, I'm a giver. I actually tithe, and, and, uh, and uh, so I'm very involved. When we sing, I sing. When they give me a chance to get up in the choir and sing, I love to sing and, and give my talent time there. And so let's just say for a moment that, that, that I am a Christian that is living for God. Now, there is one issue with me. I got one problem. This, this is it. It's just a little thing. It's not that big a deal. I am a little bitter. Now, if, if you knew what somebody did to me, if I told you the story, I think you'd go, wow, I get it. I understand why you're bitter. If you knew the story, I think you'd understand it. But, but I am bitter. And so what happens is now I, I start going through life and, and I start just kind of living and doing what I'm supposed to be doing and, and serving the Lord. And I, I've just got that little bit of bitterness. And one day I turn around and, whoa, where's this come from? I mean, I, these are some ugly sins. I mean, well, I mean, you know, rebellion, that's not pretty. And you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just saying, right? Laziness, that's no good. And, and you know what? I go, what in the world? This is, not, this is not who I've ever been. I've never been a lazy person. I'll give my time to the Lord. I've never been a rebellious person. I'm, I'm willing to, to submit to my pastoral authority. I've never been a dishonest. Well, what in the world? What is going on? And somebody gets up and they preach on laziness and rebellion and dishonesty. And guess what I do? I go, you know what? I don't want this anymore. I got to get this right. And so I get to the altar and I kneel down and I say, God, you got to help me. Forgive me for being lazy and disrespectful and dishonest and lying and rebellious and, and all of that. God, would you help me never to do this again? And I leave it at the altar. And I'm... Did you see you what I did? You one job to follow you. Did you see... <laughs> 
Did you see what I did? All right. And I, hey, Bradley. I, you are so lazy. I gave you one job. And all of a sudden I turn around and there they are again. And you're confused as much as Bradley was confused a minute ago because you're going, wait a minute, I don't know what to, you did. Let me tell you, I got the laziness on the altar. I got the rebellion on the altar. I got the dishonesty on the altar. You know what I didn't get on the altar? Bitterness. And the Bible says that every evil work follows bitterness. Let me tell you, you can choose your sin. You can choose to be bitter, but you cannot choose your consequences. Bitterness is one of those sins, it's almost like it, it kicks open the door of your heart and wedges itself into the door of your heart and whistles to everything else and says, hey guys, come on in. And before you know it, you turn around and go, wait a minute, I was never that. I, I've never been drawn to pornography before. What is going on? I've never been a dishonest guy. What is going on? I've never lied to my wife like this. What is going on? And I want you to know that James here says that the reason, the, 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 the effects of it, what the results of it, it results in every evil work following, attaching itself to you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. I, we we got to wrap this up. We're, we're about done right now, so we got to wrap this up. So i got to show you this. We know the reasons for bitterness. We understand the results of bitterness, confusion, and every evil work. But I want you to see for just a moment, you got to see the remedy. Would you take your Bible for just a moment? Would you go to Acts chapter 7? T take your Bible here. I, I want to show you this remedy, and we'll be finished here this morning. Well, we got to know how to deal with it. In Acts chapter 7, we find this man, Stephen. He, he's a... He's a faithful man. He, he's preaching. He's, he's doing exactly what he's been called to do. In Acts chapter 7, and go all the way down to verse 54, there is a reaction to those he's preaching to, and it says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed on him with their teeth, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked steadfastly into heaven. He saw the glory of God, Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Uh, go down here in verse number 59, and they stoned Stephen. Now, here's what Stephen's doing. Calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. What does is, what is Stephen practice? Stephen practice is something that more Christians need to begin to practice today. Stephen puts to practice... Good old-fashioned forgiveness. God, they are hurting me. That they are taking my life. I'm just doing right. I'm just preaching Jesus. I'm just following your command and your will for my life. And yet they're abusing me. They are mistreating me. It was not right. But, but Stephen just simply says, God, forgive them. I love what Paul did is, as people are preaching to add affliction to his bonds. He's imprisoned and, and they're hurting him by what they're saying. And he says, listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they say about me. It doesn't matter if they add affliction to my bonds. It doesn't matter if they might make my life harder. The only thing that matters is that Jesus Christ is glorified. Ephesians 4, the Bible says, let all bitterness 
and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He goes on to say, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Pastor Tate, I could never forgive that person. You have no idea what they did to me. I'm telling you then, you are going to live a life that is, that is marked by confusion and every evil work. I was a first year youth pastor, Raleigh, North Carolina. We had a man there that was the assistant pastor. He was in his early 60s. He was a he was the man that helped me. Our, our senior pastor was going through some health issues when I first arrived there. And, and so this assistant pastor was the one that helped me, encouraged me. He often called me his Timothy. I thought of him as my Paul. I was there about a year. He walked in my office one day. We're getting ready to have a big staff meeting. And the pastor wanted all of us to have our budgets together. I was a youth pastor and I'd never done one before. He knew that, so he said, listen, I'll help you. So he said, go ahead and draft something up. I'll come look at it and, and see how it looks. And, and uh, he came in my office, and uh, Pastor Tyler, I had, uh, I, had I think, about $3,000 for the year lined up. It was, it was years ago. I mean, a long time ago. Okay, $3,000, like $7 million now. You know, it's a lot, a lot different. Inflation. Let's not get started there, okay. He walks in my office, he starts looking through it, and he starts marking things out. He says, oh, you, you need more money for this. And so he, he doubled that. Hey, you're going to need a little bit more over here. And so by the time he was done, my $3,000 budget went from $3,000 to about $6,000. I thought, wow, this guy's really looking out for me. This is, this is very helpful. Thank you. I, I mean, I felt like I needed more money, but I didn't want to ask. So, so the assistant pastor's telling me, you need it. So I said, okay, this is great. We get to the meeting, all of the school staff, all the church staff sitting around a table. And I remember we all handed out our budgets and people are giving theirs. I got to mine. I made an opening statement. You know, I, I, I kind of started to tell them what it was. He immediately, the assistant pastor, immediately, the one that doubled my budget, immediately says, Tate, I don't know why you think you need so much money. I'm like, what in the world? Then I think to myself, oh, he's trying to make me prove myself. He wants me to stand up for myself. And, and so you know, I'm trying to get my feet underneath me a little bit. And so I, I start, the next phrase I make is something like, well, I mean, if you're with the teens all the time, you would see how easily this money is spent. He cuts me off immediately and he points his finger up and he says, Tate, you're not doing anything right now that the rest of us haven't already done. In my mind immediately, I went, uh oh, this is, he was not trying to prove me something's wrong. I went home that night. I know this sounds like not that big a deal. It stung me. I trusted him. I looked up to him. I went back to my wife. We took a walk that night. I cried. I, I, I wept as I, as I, I don't understand this. Why would he do this? this I, 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 don't, I don't get it. For a few weeks, I carried that around. I struggled. I went to my senior pastor godly man. I, I remember going to him and I said, Pastor, you got to help me. This is what, I don't, I, I'm struggling with this and, and uh, I, I just, I, I'm not right in my, my spirit right now. And here's what my, my senior pastor said. He said, Tate, here's what I want you to do. We lived on 53 acres of land. It was out with, with a bunch of trees and it was a church property is what it was. And so uh, we had a little farmhouse on it. And, uh, and he said, you go into the back of that property one night. He said, you take an acorn that came off of one of those trees. You dig yourself a little hole. You tell God this is your bitterness and your anger and all of that. He said, you bury that and you walk away. I got to be honest. He said that. And I, in my spirit went, okay, pastor, I know I'm the youth pastor, but this is like an adult problem. 
I mean, you're telling me to go out and dig a hole in the ground and put an acorn in it. This is like a, I know I work with kids, but come on, pastor, you know, come on, help me out here. And so for about a week or so, I didn't do anything with it. And one night I'm laying in my bed and I cannot sleep. And it's, it's two o'clock in the morning. And I got up out of my bed and I walked out to the back of the property. And under the moonlight out there, I picked up an, an acorn off the ground and I dug a hole in the ground and I said, God, I'm hurting. God, I'm angry. I'm battling this, I think even bitterness at this point. God, I don't even care what you do with this man. Do something with him, don't do something with him. Give him consequences, don't give him consequences. God, I don't even care. All I'm doing right now is saying, Lord, you are the judge. Vengeance is yours, not mine. So God, here is my anger, my wrath, my bitterness, I give this to you. I put it there in the ground. I covered it up and I walked away. You know what happened for me? Things started clearing up. My spirit started clearing up. The way that I viewed him, the way that I ministered my heart toward others, the things that started kind of getting a little confused in my life, it started clearing up. And I was able to get to a place in my life that I was able to say, I do believe I was wrong, but the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay, saith the Lord. If you want to do something with that God, you do it. If you don't want to do something with it, then you don't do it. But as for me, I surrender this to you. I wonder if there's some tonight or today. I wonder if there's anyone here that as we've been talking about bitterness, that name, that face, that reminder of that incident keeps coming up. And the Holy Spirit of God just keeps, that's the one, that's the one. Hey, you're struggling with that. Hey, that's the one you don't want to hear about. That's the one you don't want to see. Hey, my friends, please don't let what happened to you five years ago hold you back spiritually today. Forgive. And maybe there's someone in here right now that, that you need to walk an altar in just a moment and you need to kneel down in just a second and you need to maybe inside your heart dig yourself a little hole. Just say, God, I give this to you. I release it. It's yours. Hey, God, it's okay. Jesus suffered so much for me. As a lamb that opened not his mouth, he went to that cross. It's okay. I can, I can take a little difficulty and I can, I can take some, some wrongdoing. It's okay. But I'm not, what I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to carry this bitterness around for the rest of my life. I choose to forgive. Every head is bad and every eye closed this morning for just a moment. Can we stand to